Hey friends, we're so glad that you've joined us here today. My name's Kevin and I'm one of the pastors here at Friends Church in Orange. And whether you're watching this message online or listening to it in your car or on a run or wherever you are today, it's our hope that the words that are shared, that the message of God that is shared in this message will give you hope, life, and encouragement as you seek to live faithfully for Jesus in the midst of your world. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so by going to our website. We'd love to meet you, we'd love to connect with you, and we'd love to serve you in any way we can. Amen, good morning. Go ahead and have a seat for just a moment as we continue. Uh, worshiping together. My, my bet is, uh, if you're like me, whether this is your first time here or you come here every single week, as we come and we gather and we start to remember who God is and sing songs and even declare the fact that freedom and hope and joy and a full, meaningful life is even possible with Jesus, that's why we gather And so we're going to kind of take a different journey today uh, together. We're going to give you a chance to hear some stories from some people in our church, in our family, and in our community that really put this on display. We're just going to illustrate what we're celebrating and remembering together. And so I want to invite Debbie, our friend Debbie, you just welcome Debbie to come. (laughs) Debbie, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Uh, Debbie... Uh, It's great. I got to meet Debbie as part of Alpha. You'll get to hear more about that in a second. But uh, Debbie was probably like some of you. um, And Debbie, for about four or five years, came to Friends Church Orange on and off. Are you going to call me out on every series of that? Yeah. (laughs) And she would just kind of sneak in, you know, and just find her seat and say hello and then sneak out and find her way. And so... um, Every week, you'd get to hear me and get to hear us talk about just becoming part of our family and jumping in and finding community and relationships and serving and using your gifts. And you were really hesitant um, to do that for a long time. Yeah. Why? Um, Gosh, I just felt unworthy. I felt like I didn't have any skills. I felt I didn't have any talent. Um, Just extremely just unequipped. Mm. It just didn't feel like I could contribute something that was worthy of making an impact. Yeah. So you're just afraid. Yeah. Snuck in and out. What, um, what changed? I mean, what was the catalyst for you to finally lean in and just take a step? Um, I was feeling in a really dark place myself. I felt, um, alone, a little disconnected. I felt like I was letting my family down. I just felt like I wasn't being everything that God wanted me to be. And um, I was just stagnant, and I knew I needed to do something. So you took a step? (laughs) Yep, I took a step. Um, I joined Alpha because I wanted answers. I wanted answers for the questions that were being put in front of me by someone who I love more than life itself, and I just wanted to have the right answers. Yeah. So um, I joined Alpha. Only mistake, don't join Alpha when Kyle and Holiday are leading because you'll be up here. <laughs> Not maybe, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, um, but the amazing people I met in that group and along with you and Holiday and just the vulnerability there where people were encouraging me that I had something. I had something more to give and um, 
that's just where it started. Um, I had already committed to serving in the children's ministry, which was, you know, I figured pretty safe. They're little, they don't, <laughs> they don't know if I have a gift or not. And then, um, but at, by the end of Alpha, I was encouraged to start leading um, the Alpha group, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous because I can't quote scripture. I don't, I'm not biblically sound, at least in my own mind. Um, but I, I've, this is my second group I've led. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely amazing to watch, just to be a part of something greater than myself. Well, and that's just, how is life different now for you? Mm. I can hear God speak to me and give me peace and remind me that I'm not in it alone. And so I don't think that would have happened if I didn't just continue to be obedient and listen to his word. So, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Can we say thank you to Debbie? <laughs> So I want to invite you guys, if you would, just to stand with me as we continue worshiping together. And If you would, just close your eyes for one moment. And maybe some of you, um, some of you, as you hear Debbie's story, as you hear her journey, uh, there's something that comes alive in you because maybe you're reminded of your own journey like that where you used to kind of come in and sit and hold everything and everyone kind of at a distance, wonder if this church, if this family, if this place, even if this Jesus was for you. But maybe your heart comes alive because you remember that time that you took a first step. You decided to step into community and family. You decided to step into serving. You decided to make this church, this family, your family. Maybe for others of you, um, there's a longing. Maybe you still feel alone. You still feel disconnected. Maybe you've been sneaking in and sneaking out for a long time, or maybe this is your first time here. I want you to really clearly hear an invitation, not just from me, but from God, just to experience more of Him as you take steps of faith into family and into community and into serving. So God, would you continue to speak to every single one of us as we continue to sing and remind our hearts and our souls about who you are and about your love for us? And would you help us to continue just to open our our minds and our hearts and our lives and our souls to consider what is the, the next step of faith that you're inviting each one of us into today? Good to see you guys. Welcome. We're thrilled that you are here. I say this often uh, because we absolutely mean it. And that is number one, if you're part of our family, welcome back and we know who you are because you sit in the same places and you park in the same parking spots and you just are around the same people, which is great. Uh, For those of you that may be new, um, we consider it an absolute privilege and honor that you would take time from your life to come and be a part of just what God's doing here with us, even this morning. We know that there are unbelievable, amazing churches 
all around the county. You probably drove by some if you came here this morning. And we love all of them, and so we consider it a privilege when you would choose to trust us with your time and with your journey. So welcome. We're glad you guys are here. Uh, As we start our journey or continue it today, if you had to sum up in one word what uh, we all want in life, what would it be? Toss some things out. What do people want in life? Money. Love. What? Peace. World peace. We want world peace. What else? Joy. We all want joy. That sounds good. What else? Kindness. Happiness. That's right. Anything else? Huh? Jesus. You've been here before. I love that. You're going to get to see that. In church, it's always the right answer. And the bottom line is all of these are the right answer. But if I had to sum all of them up in one word, it would be this. More. We want more of all of these things. We want more happiness. We want more joy. We want more money. We want more of Jesus, some of us. We want more relationships. We want more peace in this world, don't we? It's hard. We want more kindness. People should be a little nicer to one another. We want more forgiveness. I bet that would inspire that. We want more grace. We want all of these things. We just want more of all of this. And here's the thing. What if God actually wants more of all of these things for you also? What if he's actually like, yes, that's everything I want to happen in this world and in your life is that you would have more of all of this. That's exactly what we're going to look at today from God's word. So we continue our Understanding Jesus series, right, where we're looking at some of the parables, the stories that he told, right, these, these things that he, stories that he told that had embedded principles and truth about who God is and the way we interact with him and his kingdom in this world. We're going to see that it's not only what he wants for us, he's going to make it really clear, I want you to have more. Like God will literally say that to you today. He's even going to tell you how. So for whatever you think in your life, just think for a minute out of, maybe you said it, maybe you didn't. But if you want more, if you want more peace, if you want more rest, if you want more relationships, if you want more health and healthy relationships, if you want more forgiveness or grace or kindness, if you want more for life, God literally is going to tell you today how to get it. So I want to invite you guys to grab your Bibles. If you brought your Bibles with you and turn in the back Uh, First book of the New Testament, Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. If you need a Bible, we always have some Bibles at the Next Step Centers. We'd love for you to take one with you. Everybody needs a Bible. If not, you know, use your digital thing and scroll there. Matthew 25. We're starting in verse 14. It says this. Again, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now, we're in church. Who do you think the man represents? You already said it. Jesus, that's right, you're in church, go with Jesus, right, or God, or you're gonna get it right. So clearly, Jesus is telling the story, he says, there's this man who's going on a trip, right, the owner of everything, and it's Jesus. Now, who do you think the servants then represent? Us, that's right. The obvious answer is 
Us. That's right. So the man is? That's right. And the servants are? There you go. See how simple this is? The Bible's so easy to understand, right? We make it so hard. It's so simple. Look at that. So here's the thing. Embedded in these couple verses is we get the first of three things, that if we want more from life, the first thing is we have to see God as the owner and the giver. If you want more, if you want more from life, the first thing Jesus would say is you have to see God as the owner and the giver. And we see this played out in this passage, right? It says this man was going on a long trip and he entrusted his money. He entrusted, some of your Bibles say, his wealth. Some of your Bibles say he entrusted his talents to each one of his servants. But whose money is it? God. See, you don't want to say it, do you? I know, it's hard. Whose money is it? God's. If you want more from life, the first thing Jesus says you have to get right is that God is the owner and the giver of everything. And that's what we see played out all through the Bible, right? God's the owner, the creator of everything. We see it at the very beginning. God existed before you. You probably knew that today, which means he's the initiator. He's the creator of everything. God created everything. The Psalms tells us that the earth the whole world and everything in it is God's. He created it. And you're thinking, now, wait a second. I'm pretty good, too. Like, Kyle, you don't know what I've done. Like, I'm pretty smart. I've built some amazing businesses. And I, you know, I've got a, I get a lot of things done every day. And I got a lot of people that work for me. And I've got degrees. And I've got diplomas. And, and you are. We're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk about how amazing you are. But the first thing you've got to understand is, who gave you your abilities? Who gave you your personality? Who gave you your capacity to even make money? Who gave you your intellect? Who decided this is where you're going to... God gave you... It all starts with him. And Jesus is saying the very first thing, if you want more from life, there's more for you. But if you want more from life, you've got to see God as the owner. And not just the owner, you've got to see him as the giver of everything. God's not a hoarder. It's one of the great things we see in this passage right? God has servants. He brings them all together and all of his servants get something, right? He gives something to all of them and he gives them, it says he divides it according to what? Their abilities, their uniqueness, their personality, their skills, the way that he designed and created and crafted them. He gave each of them something according to those abilities. Now, a lot of times, part of the challenge is we don't want what we got. We want what someone else has, right? Because, and I get it. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm the guy, like we're, the three of us are lining up and it's like, here's five for you and here's two for you and here's one, Kyle. I'd be like, can I be the five guy? Like, can I get the five bags of silver? Like, wait a minute, how come? Right? And that's part of the trap is all of a sudden we want someone else's abilities. We want what God gave someone. If I could only have that, then I'd be really good. Then I could get more. And it's like, no, no, just take what you have, use what you have and use it to the best of your ability. God has to be the owner and the giver of everything. And it's interesting because we understand this idea that not everyone gets the same. Everyone's unique in God's eyes. He creates us all differently. One of the easiest ways that I get to see this played out consistently is through sports, right? Lots of, anybody watch any kind of sport ever? Let me see here. Okay, so here's the deal. Doesn't matter what kind of sport, but there's different abilities and gifts that are put on display 
in every sport on every team. So both my boys, right, they're playing football. They're football players. One of my sons is like 6'4", 190. He's just like this big, tall, lanky kid with just giant hands. And so it's like he's 6'4", 190, and so somebody's like, wow, you should probably go stand way out there and just catch the football. You know, one of my sons is like 6'2", 210, 20 pounds, a little stockier, and like, why don't you come on here a little bit? Like, you can probably mix it up. Now, here's the deal. They've got friends that are like 6'5", 6'6", 340, And so guess what they do? They stand in here and just hike the ball and just bash each other, just create space because they're linemen. Now, what would happen if the linemen said, Kate, I want to do your job out there? Who's going to send a 6'5", 330-pound person way out? And what if my son Cade said, I don't want my gifts. Dad, I really want to play offensive line. What would happen if my 6'4", 190 son decided to come in here and stare down a 6'5", 330-pound man? Right, it would go poorly. Whatever you know about football, it would not go well for him. What would happen? He could die. (laughs) He would be unsuccessful. I don't care how long and how hard he worked and how much he had. He could never be 6'5", 330. And that's kind of what's on display in this passage is, look, God saw you and created you before you were ever born, the Bible says. And he already had you in mind and designed you and gave you unique skills and gifts and abilities and personalities. And he knew your story and he created some amazing things just for you to do. And so the first thing is, you just have to acknowledge that he's the owner, the creator, the designer of your life, and that he's given you uniquely some skills and gifts and abilities. And then just discover that as we get played out. So the question is, as we start, how do you see God today? Do you see him as a good and loving and kind owner? that has given you unique and special abilities? Are you seeing him as the one who's given you everything that you have and everything that you are? Because I know today that he's looking at you and he's smiling and he's just like, oh, you're you're a masterpiece, the Bible says. I delight in you. The question is, do you see him that way? That would be the first thing that Jesus says. If you want more from life, you've got to see God as the owner and the giver. The second thing as we continue on. Verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. The second thing we see is if you want more from life, you got to do something. Seems obvious, right? Like you got to do something. You got to get out there. You got to make it work. There's only two kinds. There's three servants, but there's only two kinds of people in this passage. Those who did something and those who did nothing. That's what's on display here, and that's what we get to see. And it's, again, it's not that complicated. If we just look, we understand this. When you look at the two servants, the guy with five bags, the guy with two bags, it says what? It uses action words. What did they do? They went to work. They invested. They earned. 
They started getting after it. They pursued something, right? And if we think about that, if there's any kind of significant decision or purchase that we want to make in life, what do we do? We do work. If you're going to go buy a home or you're going to go buy a car or you're going to go buy something significant and make a significant investment in life, you're going to have to move at it and figure out what it is. If you're going to decide that you're going to pursue a relationship and chase something in life, you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to get to know that person. You're going to have to get to know what they're about. If you're going to go invest four or five years of your life in college, what are you going to do? You're going to do all kinds of research and you're going to try and figure out what's the best place for me to be and what does this look like? If you're going to just pursue a new job. You're gonna do a ton of work to get a job, right? There's all kinds of help wanted signs everywhere, but what, you still have to go apply and you still have to interview and you still have to work, you have to earn and invest. And that's all, that's all he's saying is if you want more from life, you gotta do something. That's what he's saying, you've gotta do something. And what happens when we do something? What happens when we start pursuing and investigating and investing and earning and working hard with the things that God gives us? All of a sudden, we start to develop new relationships. We start to develop new thinking. We start to understand more about who God is and how much he loves us. We got start to understand, you listen to Debbie's story. You listen to the journey of, of Andres or Janae or Trevor on the bed. Like, that's what happened. Like, life just gets bigger as we do something, it gets bigger relationally. It gets bigger in terms of the joy and the hope and the encouragement that we get to experience and encounter. Life gets bigger when we do something. So let's contrast that then with the other. What's our other option? To do nothing, right? The guy who gets one bag, he just digs a hole. And here's what's interesting. It's said that the master, the, the man was gonna go away on a long trip. So it's not like he's gone for a day or a half a day. He's gone for a long time. So how long would it take to dig a hole in the ground and put some back, what, maybe half a day if you're really working? So for a half a day, this guy did some work, put the money in the ground, and then the rest of the time, a month, a year, five years, we have no idea how long he was gone. But he did nothing. Nothing. And what happens then? He's just sitting around, probably afraid, probably feeling, because what happens when you do nothing? Satan starts to come in and say, you're a failure. See, you're worthless. You don't have any value, and you're not bringing any value to this world. And all of a sudden, those lies get big, and pretty soon, we're afraid to go out and even interact with people, and instead of getting bigger, our life and our world just gets smaller. And that's what he's saying, is if you want more in life, you've got to do something. You've, you've got to just try. You've got to get out there. And it's interesting because, like I said, some of your Bibles use bags of silver, bags of gold. Some say his wealth. Some say talents. The idea here is, number one, it absolutely includes finances. So let's not mistake that. And yet it's bigger than that. It's all of the opportunities that finances and all of the relationships and all of those skills and abilities and personality, it's everything. It's holistic. This is a place where if you've been around church a lot, we talk about your whole life being your time, your talent, and your treasure. That's right. That's what he's talking about. How are you using your time? How are you using your talent or your skills and gifts? And how are you using your treasure? That God's Because God's given it all, right? We've already learned that. He's the owner. He's the giver. So how are you using all of it? And see, part of the problem is I think sometimes we just want to choose one. 
Well, it's like, for some of us, it might be, well, I'll just give my money because it's easy. And then I can keep moving hard at life, but I'm just going to, as long as I'm giving my money, I'm good, right? And Jesus would go, no, you're missing out so much on this full life. There's so much more that I have for you. For some of us, that's really hard, especially in this economy with inflation. It's like, I can't give anything, but I'm going to give a lot of time. I have time, so I'm going to give that. And God would say, that's awesome, but you're still missing out, even if you're not just starting a journey of generosity with me. And for some of us, you heard the journey of Debbie, you heard the journey of Andres and Janae. Some of us, there's this idea of serving the family, using our gifts and our skills and our abilities and just taking a step and finding what is God doing. For some of us, like that's for someone else. I'm so glad Debbie's taking care of those kids downstairs so I don't have to. That was a joke. <laughs> I'm so glad somebody has that parking vest on today. Help me figure out where I should go. I'm so glad somebody has a lanyard on to make sure they smile at everybody coming in these doors. I'm so glad somebody's back there to help me find a seat or find my next way. Like, we just let somebody else. They'll manage that with the talent. They probably are talented, so they should do that. I'll just give my time, or I'll just give my treasure. See, what Jesus would say is this passage is holistic. And it's an invitation not only to see God as, as the owner and the giver, but also then to do something with all of it. And it's really easy to measure these things. That's one of the things I love about the Bible. Not only is how simple it is, it's simple to understand. It's very challenging to live out. But it's easy to measure these things because number one is all of you, you know, you have your calendar in your hand or in your pocket right now. You can see where your time goes. You can see how you're spending your time. What does that time look like? Where are you investing it? What are you looking to earn? How are you using all of the minutes that God gives? Those are God-given minutes to you. How are you using all of those? Are you investing them? Are you investing his minutes that he's given you well? Same thing with your talent and this idea of serving. When was, the, when was the last time you served? When was the last time you just took a step and said, I'm gonna give some of my, my talent? I may not even know what it is like Debbie, but I'm just gonna keep finding my way as I say yes. Same thing with your treasure, right? Money's the easiest thing to track. Just look at your bank account and just go, where am I investing? Where am I giving God's money? And is it where he would want me to? That's it. You just get to look. But if you want more from life, that's what Jesus is saying. You gotta do something with your life related to all of these things. Moving on, we see, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they'd used his money. Whose money? His money. Whose money? I know, we still don't want to say it. The servant to whom he'd entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and... Faithful servant, you've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's go celebrate. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Ah, master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
Then the servant with the one bag came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. If you want more from life, you've got to be faithful, not fearful. It's right there. Jesus is saying, if you want more from life, you gotta be faithful, not fearful. And what does it look like then to be faithful? Well, it's everything, remember, that he already told the story about. It's everything we've been talking about. It's having a view of God that sees him as a loving, gracious, abundant, generous father who is the owner of everything, and has given me just what I need. And who then chooses to faithfully do something with my time and with my talent and with my treasure and just listen to God's voice and invest his money wherever he wants and to faithfully, courageously pursue that. To be faithful in that. What does it look like to be fearful? Well, remember, it starts then, of course, with your view of God. Because how did the fearful servant view God as a harsh man. You see, when, when he saw God, he saw God with his fist clenched and his face scoured and going, I can't believe you did this. I'm gonna give you one bag and if you screw this up, you have no idea what a failure you're gonna be and don't disappoint me. And a lot of us, that's the view of God we have. Sometimes that's the view we grew up with and so we just think that's who God is. And so it starts there, but then all of a sudden that starts bleeding into the way we live our life. He becomes afraid. He can't even do anything. He's paralyzed by his fear. He fears disapproval. He fears failure, disappointment. Maybe the comparison thing starts taking over. It's like, I better just hold on and deliver this back. Or who knows what's going to happen to me in life. And here's the thing. We can, we can all be the fearful servant. I know I can. I still can. There's places where I want to compare my gifts and skills and abilities to other people. There's places where I feel like I should be more of this. Different, I remember when we were talking about comparison and how it kills and steals our life about a month ago. And I was sharing with you guys, I always thought, uh, you know, I used to be a worship leader, but I, I can't sing nearly as good as Angel. I could never play an instrument, and I thought I should. So I went out and bought a nice guitar, and I practiced forever, and I was awful. I'm still terrible. It's like that wasn't, that wasn't my gift. That wasn't my talent. But it helped lead me just because I was doing something to where God led me. But it never stops. Then I started speaking and leading and communicating, and I got to be around some of the best speakers and teachers, and I thought I should talk like that. And I tried, and I was awful. And then these guys are writing books, and they have all, I should write a book. And I'm like, I can't write a book. There's no, like, I'm just always, there's always a, a danger of becoming this fearful servant that just starts shrinking back and believing and comparing. I understand this guy. And so do you. This is part of the journey we all go on. We, the bottom line is we just can't allow fear to steal our faithfulness. You can't let fear steal your faithfulness. Because here's what I actually believe. I believe 
I believe the two servants that saw God as the good, loving owner and giver of everything and did something, I bet, this is just Kyle in the white space of the Bible, but I bet it's not like they invested and everything just took off. Right? I bet that they put five bags of gold and maybe they diversified and spread it around and maybe they lost two here, but they gained one there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe at one point it was up to 10 bags and then it came back down to five. Maybe the guy took five and it became one, but he stayed at it. And over time, all of a sudden he comes back and goes, here's five. It's never a straight line. I bet they battled fear every day that they were investing and earning and working and doing something with their time and their talent and this treasure that God had given them. They just had to stay at it. They didn't let the fear steal their faith. But that's what we see from the very beginning with the guy who got one. He just, that fear stole his faith. This week, I read on Instagram, one of my favorite pastors, a guy named Nikki Gumbel, from England, we're reading through the Bible in one year together. He had this post, it just said, courage is doing what you're afraid to do and not allowing fear to rule your decisions. Isn't that great? That's what he's saying. If you want more, see God as a loving owner and giver of everything. Do something, don't let fear rule your life and be faithful, not fearful. And then Jesus just stamps it home and makes it crystal clear. And this is what he says, and this is why we started where we did. In verse 29, he says it this clearly. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. And they're going to have what? An abundance. It's, it's, this is Jesus. This is not like Kyle's opinion about the Bible, this is Jesus talking to people gathered going, don't you see? This is who God is, as a loving owner and giver of everything. This is what happens when you just do something and you stay at it and you live in faith and not fear. It's like if you just use it that way, even more comes your way. An abundance will happen, even more. Faithful servants get even more. That's what I told you at the beginning. You want more? More of whatever it is you're talking, that's it. Because this is a holistic adventure, right? You know, some of, oftentimes we, we talk about maybe, well, is this like some sort of divine investment? You know, that if I put, because the world's tough right now economically, Kyle, and if you're saying, I, it's like, no, 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 it's not what I'm saying. It might include money. It might. I can tell you many, many stories, one that I heard literally this week, of people just moving their way through life as best they can financially, feeling overwhelmed at the pressures of student debt and all that stuff, and surprisingly unannounced $5,000 shows up in their life to go, hey, we just love you and we wanna help pay off your debt. That happens often in God's kingdom. I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know what he does, it just does. But this is so much bigger than that. It's not just about money. Because what did, what, did, what did we hear even in the story Jesus told? When the man's celebrating with these people, he's like, you've done so good. Trusting me, investing my money, being faithful to this journey, just with these little things, even more what comes your way? Responsibility. You're gonna get even more responsibility. And what comes with responsibility? Relationships, opportunities, Different investment, different ways that we get to start seeing and participating in God's kingdom differently. That's guaranteed. Even more responsibility. Your life gets bigger. Your world gets bigger. 
When you live this way, even more comes your way. A rich, full, meaningful life. It's what we see in the passage. It's what we hear in the stories this morning. I want you to hear one more journey from somebody in our church, my friend, Dr. Dr. Thomas Lee. Would you welcome Dr. Lee? <laughs> I've, known, uh, I've known Thomas. Can I call you Thomas? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've known Thomas probably six, seven years at least, and he's been a part of our church family for the past three or four. Um, and so a couple things. One of them is he is a brilliant pathologist. He is somebody, you are. You, I mean, literally the world looks to Thomas to help lead us um, in that area. The other thing I know about him is he is a humble, kind man. And I've just gotten to watch this journey, particularly of generosity, and this passage unfold in your life over the last three or four years. So tell us a little bit about what life looked like for you before you really kind of started a journey of generosity with God. Um, yeah, for, for me and our family, basically, was, <clears throat> since I was you know, the head of the family, um, it was a very greed hoarding kind of uh, thought process, just coming out of medical school with six-figure loans, seeing all these people way ahead of me in their 401k and their savings, their houses and vacations and whatnot. So I had always thought, man, I got to start catching up now. Um, so it was all about we were giving, but we were just giving very little, right? <clears throat> just enough for me to feel like I gave something. Um, and we just kept, you know, just try to hoard, make more money, and try to save, invest, and all this other stuff. And, yeah, so that was uh, the living life in fear, not trusting mm-hmm. God, and just thinking like, man, I'm, I could do it on my own, man. Thanks, God. Thanks for everything. I'll take care of it from now on, you know? Yeah, so that was basically um, a good portion of the last 10 years of our lives, basically. What, uh, and a, a, a few years ago, something kind of changed, and you started to look at giving, and you started practically living in it differently. So what changed, and why? Yeah, as we went through these over year, year after year, um, different parts of the scriptures came to life about trusting God. God provides everything. Everything is God's, like we mentioned today, um, and we are just his, you know, stores like on one of those servants, um, and I was like the one guy with one with the one piece of silver, right? Um, and it just different parts of our life started to grow, and we started giving a little more, being challenged just by ourselves and hearing God, and just giving a little more at a time. Um, and more recently as well, and just kind of understanding the God's um, creation part, because God created us to rule over creation. And yet, you know, money and finances was ruling over me. I was a slave to it and wanted to just flip the, the roles around a little bit and have, you know, money be my slave. So it became, so we started giving more, you know, dropping, and opening two fingers in the initially and <laughs> opening more fingers now and then <laughs> dropping a little more. <laughs> what, uh, and over that period of time then, what, how is life different for you now? How, I mean, how is, yeah, how's life different? Yeah, it's... Easier, less worrisome, and less, um, I would say, uh, fear-led life, fear of losing things and fear of not having enough. And that's definitely going away. It's not totally gone. It's not like an overnight transformation, but it's definitely like a scale. God's trust and fear, and right now God's kind of going up and fear is going down. Mm. It's, you know, it's a struggle, but it's good to be generous, and it feels good, and we're, you know, just 
the more you give, feel like the more we receive as well. Not just financially, but in other blessings. We get to see more blessings happen. We get to be aware of it That's more. Good. Yeah. That's good. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. So, do you want even more out of life? That is the invitation. Not that, not that I'm giving you today only, but I feel like really that God's giving you today. And here's the thing. It starts with the, the first question, which is, what's your view of God? That's where it begins. Do you see him as a good, loving, kind, generous father, the owner and creator of everything, who's given you everything that you need, not everything you want, and he will give you everything that you need. Is that your view of God? And then how practically is that showing up in your life? Are you willing and are you ready to do something holistically and allow that to shape your journey and your adventure? So here's what I want to invite you to do. Sean mentioned earlier that there's cards either on your seat or next to you, I want to invite you just to take that card. And it says serving or giving. Nobody's taking the card. I'm looking at you. I'm asking you to take the card. Like, hold the card. And here's why. That card is like, it's an invitation to more. So I just don't want you to miss out on the invitation. What you decide to say yes and no to is, is up to you. But that card's an invitation to, a, to more, a more full life, a more meaningful life, a life of what you've heard about, more relationships, more joy, more hope, more abundance. It's what Jesus promised. I wouldn't be doing my part as your pastor if I didn't invite you to consider stepping into more. So if you would, just close your eyes for a second and let me pray over you. Father, today thank you for so clearly laying out in your word who you are. You, you reveal yourself very clearly to us. Your character of goodness and kindness and love and grace and truth and power and holiness and majesty and everything. God, you so clearly put on display who you are. And even today specifically, who you want to be in our lives as a loving father who's provided and, and given in abundance to this world and to us. So we thank you for that. And in that, God, I, I pray for every single person here that you would just help them to be humble and courageous in the way that they respond to you and your voice. 
I know that you have more for them. You have more for every single one of us. So help us maybe just to take the risk. The next step of faith to invest, to work, to let go, to see you work in and through us and the resources and the talents and the gifts and the abilities that you've given us.